If you could talk about kind of some people have a better understanding of what was the I mean if you what was the, kind of the logistics of this contract with Sugar Hill that maybe couldn't get you out because you, I mean you hear about it all the time right you hear about I mean I think like SWV is a perfect example or TLC mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. they have this contract they're ready to get out but they have to complete like twelve thousand records to get you know like something crazy like that they need or they need to complete a certain amount of records to actually get out to fulfill their contract um, so if you kind of talk about what were the logistics of the contract that did not allow you guys to get out of it? Okay. And then also, what was the record? What was the record label scene at the time in terms of for hip hop artists? Uh, I mean, you know, was, for example, was Sugar Hill the only game in town, or was there another game that you guys could have went to? Uh, you know, now you obviously have so many record labels. Well, when you talk about what was the um, the the mechanism of the contract for everything that SWV went through. For everything that NWA went through, for everything that TLC went through, we were the poster childs oh. of of starting that off. So for every um, group that say that happened to to us, well, guess what? It started right there with the Funky Four plus one. It started right there with Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five because I know at one point, one time. You know, they took them to court. Mm-hmm. So Sugar Hill, now, I assume that, you know, record labels had been doing this, but we're talking about a rap la- label. We're talking about young kids, young kids, that that's all they have to look forward to. And you just suck everything out of them without assuring that no matter what, you take care of me, I take care of you. If you you selling those records or you out there and you doing this, I'm going to look out for you. Mm-hmm. I'm going to look out for you. You know why? Because I took you out of your, now, I took you out of your element, but I can go back and say, well, they didn't really take us out of our element, but you made money off of us. Right. You understand what I'm saying? And you were supposed to make sure that all the inner city things that we were going through and you knew that was in our heart. You were supposed to at least cover us. We were kids. Now, we, many could say, well, I blame your parents. Yeah, we could. We could. But a lot of our parents at the time only did what their kids wanted. And what we wanted to do was sign a contract and take Everything that we've been doing in the streets of New York out and show the world that this is what we created. You know, so when you talk about what was the contract, it could have been all of that. I don't even know. You understand what I'm saying? But what I do know is that when um, we tried to get out of the contract, because what happened was, is that when we met Deborah Harry from Blonding, she said, okay, I'm under Chris Silas records. And I don't care what you hear, we had this conversation. I'm under Chris Silas records. I'm, I'm getting ready, to, you know, to do a tour. You know, there's a possibility that I like y'all, you know, y'all could go out on tour, but I, I can't do anything until y'all get off the label with Sugar Hill Records. So we're the Funky Four plus one. We was like, yeah, man, we want to go. We could get on tour now and go on tour with a, somebody different than just Somebody in the Bronx. So when, when it was time for us, we said, okay, we're going to go to Sylvia. And we was like, look, we, we're not getting paid. You're not giving us no money. We want off. And we went without an attorney, advice, whatever. We thought it was going to be just that simple because she wasn't paying us. Yeah. We wouldn't we went get no money. You know what I'm saying? Um, so when we, when we went to her, she looked at us like, y'all crazy as hell. This is not happening. You know what I'm saying? And and looked at us like we was like some dumb, young, black, black, African-American people, but she was the same race. Talked down, right? And so we was like, okay, so um, we went back. Keith, 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 which was a member of the funky, original Funky Four and the Funky Four Plus One, um, said, uh, okay, um, 
my uncle, you know, he's a lawyer. You know, let me talk to him and see whether or not he could he could get us off the contract. You know, so he wasn't a, a match, you know, for Sylvia Robinson because she had she knew how to 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 get around, you know, right. the music business because she was already in the music business. And so he didn't understand the entertainment business. And so when we went in, Rodney C to her was a problem. He was part of my group because he was outspoken. He didn't care. He cussed people out. He didn't care. He was like a high head. But if he believed in something, that's what he 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 rolled for. Mm-hmm. And then KK and Rodney was pretty close, and whatever KK, whatever Rodney did or say, KK rolled with him on it. So her thing was like, "Okay, I ain't letting none all of y'all go. Y'all can y'all can stay here. Y'all y'all have like a a, a three year contract with two years. If I want to let you go out, I don't want to let you go." So she said, "I'm willing to release." If Rodney and Kaka, if y'all want to go, because what happened is that Rodney and Kaka said, well, y'all, um, Sharrock, you, 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 um, Jeff and, and Keith, if y'all want to say, y'all can say, we, I'm not staying. I'm not staying with that woman. Right. So, um, so then, um, KK said, I'm going with Rodney. So she was willing to release them two because they were the problem child. But by the same token, when I brought my sister in there and keyboard his uncle and the, the family member, when we were supposed to all agree to get off the contract, she told, you know, everybody that was there representing us that I'm not letting them all off. This is my option. This is what we could do. If, if they want to go, Rodney and KK want to go, I'll let them off, but I'm not letting the whole group off. And so what she did was she, she, she worked out something with them and said, okay, look, you know, if, if Sharag or, you know, or the rest of them want this, I let them go in the studio record. You know, I'll give them, you know, the, um, the, the uh, you know, receipts or the counting of the songs they record and the money that are work, wait, um, that they make. And then we'll rene- renegotiate everything to their best interest and make it happen. So she let KK and Keith get off the contract. Yes, we went in the studio and record probably like about four or five songs as the new Funky Four. But it was only three of us, me, Jeff, and Keith. So we recorded. She let us get in the studio, yeah. But we still never saw a dime of the money. Never saw a dime. So who fault is that? Yeah, okay, it's it's our parents. It's our, uh, I, I can't even say really a parent because I didn't even tell my mother you know, that I was re-signing or trying to get off. I brought my sister in. And my sister was allowed to sign for me. And she wasn't even my guardian. But I, but I, all I wanted to do was let the world see outside of the Bronx who Shawrock was and my skills. So, you know, 17, you know, 18 years old. That's what I did. And we stayed with Sugar Hill. I want to ask you how long did the Sugar Hill relationship last? But if, but going a little back, you you helped start this culture, mm-hmm. and I'm going to say out of a labor of love, right? Yes. Because there wasn't rap, wasn't a genre of music, mm-hmm. wasn't a label, sure. it wasn't. Uh, you go into you get signed. Mm-hmm. Um, when did when did that finally dawn on you that? You or even the other powers that be, Sylvia Robinson, are taking this labor of love, that this culture that you mm-hmm. helped develop, mm-hmm. uh, and trying to make a money off of it. And mm-hmm. then, what was your initial reaction to like, well, how do you know, like, do you ever so you say to yourself, how can mm-hmm. you make money off of mm-hmm. this so, culture that I love? Right. Okay. And so, what you're asking is is a ve- very um, valid question because in um, 1982. Um, I was like, you know, I'm going to fall back a little bit. I had gotten pregnant. Now, the, the funky four plus one is furious, right? Because we were supposed to get off this contract and really go on tour, you know, with, with um, Debbie Harry because that, that's what was told to us that we were going to do. And on top of that, Charlie Ahern, who did Wild Style, 
and Fat Five Freddy had approached us and they said that they were doing a movie as well, right? They didn't tell us what the movie was, but what they did tell us that it was a rap uh, movie and they wanted the Funky Four to be about the Funky Four. Now, they may tell you a different story now, but all of us knew what that conversation was. So, again, they say, you know, try to get off Sugar Hill label and we could work with you. So, because Sylvia let um, KK and Rodney get off, those two were able to be a part of Wild Style and they called themselves, they are now the Double Trouble, but we're still on it. So when you talk about what happened, you know, during that time, okay, I'm, I'm pregnant with my daughter. I'm, I'm, you know, still trying half her, but still trying to record, mm-hmm. thinking that I'm gonna get something out of it. So our last song we had made, you know, um, me, Jeff, and Keith made, you know, a, a couple of songs after that. And I said, you know what, I'm not gonna do this no more. The love that I had, rhyming. And the culture that I helped build was tarnished by me being out there and not getting what I felt that I was deserving of. So I did. I fell back. I fell back. And I said, you know what? I'm not going to record. I am not going to record with a label that does not respect me or everything that I did for the culture, especially the rap element. So um, I fell back. In 1986, you know, I, I became, I had my daughter in 1981. I mean, 1982. But in 1980, no, I had in 81. But in 1987, I got married, you know, to a young man that was in the military. He was like six years older than me, and he was grounded, always on time, never late, conditioned, you know, everything that I didn't see, you know, not saying I didn't see in the pot, but he was a different type of person at the time than what I knew. And so I got married and moved away and say, you know what, I refuse to give some somebody else money, I mean, give somebody else my life, you know, to to be able to do whatever they want to do with it and not pay me for it. So guess what? I'm not going to record. So I went to Fort Bragg, North Carolina. Stayed there for about three, three, three years or so. And then I went to Germany. My husband was stationed in Germany. He went first and then I went first. I, we went, you know, like a couple of months later so one day i'm in the px which the px is called is is what is called for you know military store you know where they got everything in it and i see um the 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 box set of the famous sugar hill label but they're selling this box set for about a hundred dollars and it's with every person that had ever recorded rap rap records you know on up until 90 that was on this box set so i lifted up i was like oh my this sugar hill record Knowing I ain't getting no money. So um, I'm shopping for my daughter. I was like, look, Tia, my daughter, Tia, look, you know, look, this, I did this record here. Look, it's, you know, it's, they're selling it here. And she's like, Mama, would, okay, if they sell it, that means you got money. Can, can I get this? You know, she was asking me for all these different things. So I was like, okay, don't worry, but I got it. So I went home and I, I started thinking and I went back the next day to the PX and started writing down, you know, all the songs and how, how many songs, you know, that had been on there that we recorded. And I didn't do nothing right then because I was in Germany and the, the calls would take so long. No, the calls would take so long, you know, uh, it would cost so much to make calls from Germany. So what I did was, but, but I was on my way back. I was on my way back to North Carolina. I mean, back to the United States. So when I got back, the first thing I did when I got back was call Sugar Hill Records. And I had called Sylvia Robinson. And I said, look, Ms. Rob, um, I was in Germany. I just got back. I see that um, y'all are selling the box sets. And once again, you know, we've never gotten paid. 
when would I receive, um, when would I receive, you know, money, you know, or any stipend for what I did, you know? And she says, I'm not the person to talk to. You need to talk to Joe. And Joe was her husband. So I said, you know what? I ain't, I'm a, I ain't that type of person. I ain't going to play these games. So what I did is I started doing research. I never called him. I called every attorney that I could in New York City to try to find out who would represent me, who would take on my case to get my money and my rights back. And the majority of the attorneys wouldn't do it. Or either they'll say, okay, um, Ms. Jackson, or, you know, when you say your name was Shara again, um, it's going to cost you probably about 10 to $15 to retain me, and we'll see what we could do. Mm. Okay? So I was like, hmm, I ain't got no $10, $15 to pay somebody and to see what you could do. So I started doing research on myself, and I started calling, like, BMI and asking them. I said, listen, what can I do? You know, I, I wrote these songs. These are my lyrics. You know, I wrote them. You know, how I get my lyrics back? How is it? What label? What label? You, you know. So then somebody looked out up there. And they began to start telling me how my songs and the Funky Four were being dis- um, distributed. They would change the names. If it was the Funky Four plus one, they'll say Funky Four plus one with the n- numeric weight. Mm-hmm. Or then they'll change it to the Funky Four plus one and write it out. And then they would distribute it through different labels. You know? And so... It was coming from all different places. I didn't know that that's how it worked. And so I was like, wow, man, this is crazy. So I'm mad as hell. I'm mad. And then um, they said, okay, look, I ain't supposed to tell you this, but I know someone who represents artists just like you. They're not going to be a little bit of money. But they will help you. This is the number. Okay. So by the time I got off the phone with them, it was too late to call. I called the next day and um and I, I talked to the to the young lady. It was called Artist Rights, you know, Association. And they 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 were like a company that was in Midtown, but they took on um uh fights for people like Chubby Check Checka. So once again I make history again, world by becoming the first person. To go to them and they start a class action lawsuit for people that was in Sugar Hill, for all the artists. Because I explained it to them. So then I go back and I said, okay, look, um, I told Raheem. Raheem was a part of the Funky Four, but he was with Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five now. So I said, Raheem, I need your help. I said, I'm going to get the Funky Four to sign off on these papers, but I need you to go to the Furious Five. And get them to sign off it too. Then I was cool with Cheryl and Angie from the sequence. But I couldn't get in touch with Angie at the time. I have a contact on her. Y'all, y'all may know her as Angie Stone. But Angie was one time married to Little Rodney C. Which was a part of my group. So when I went to went, went to Cheryl. And she was, she said, oh, you know, that sounds good. Because I'm, I'm doing the research. You know, I said, that sounds good. Okay, let's do it. But... When I got back in touch with her, she said, um, well, they're not going to sign. And I'm not really going to, I'm not willing to give no, no, nobody half of my money. Cause that's what artist rights want. Yeah. But I always felt, listen, I won't get no money anyway. So if, <laughs> if right. these, if yeah. these lawyers want half, well, hell, I'm going to give them half cause half was better than nothing. Right. And so, um, I asked Rahim, I said, did you talk to every last single one of them, you know, whatever, you know, to get on? They said, yeah, yeah, uh, they're going to sign. So Rahim and all of them, they went down and signed. All of the Funky Four went down and signed, except for Jeff. And the only reason why Jeff didn't sign, because at the time, Jeff was trying to do a deal with um, Joey Robinson, which was now um, one of the the sons of Sugar Hill Records. and, And he was trying to do a deal on trying to get artists to come in. So he fell back. And he didn't sign. But that didn't stop the Funky Four from proceeding. And mm-hmm. so they proceeded. And um, 
you know, we was in court for a couple of years, and, and the judge decided that they were in for and um at fault for um not paying us our money. So because the Furious Five, I, I don't know how they did the records or whatever. I knew that our records, all the records that we had did that wasn't um put out in the states, they were put out overseas. But the Furious Five. Grandmaster Flash and Furious Five was leading in um, the, rec- the the amount of record sales that they were selling. So even though I started the lawsuit, they were at the top of the lawsuit, and then we were secondary. And so the judge deemed that they were liable for paying us some of the money that they owe us because at that time you couldn't go back to only seven years. You know when I filed when I got these attorneys, so. Before, you know, and, and much respect to her, to Sylvia Robinson, you know, and, and I don't want to say this, you know, still, you know, she's still a human being and then somebody's mother and somebody's, you know, um, god parent, whatever. But she was also my daughter's godmother. Mm. She christened my, my daughter, you know, when she's two months old, came up to the Bronx from Jersey in her Ro- Rose Royce and christened my daughter. So I always knew that no matter what, even as a, a young girl growing up and I had my daughter young, she was supposed to make sure that my daughter was taken care of because you christened her in the Bronx. And I don't even think her family even knew she came up to the Bronx. But I got the paperwork. I still got the paperwork. So the thing is, is that she was supposed to look out. And so when when they, you know, when the judge ordered her and that company to pay, she wrote the checks for whatever they agreed on in court. Okay, so now, with much respect, she passes. The, sec- the, the oldest son, the oldest son takes on the responsibility of writing the checks because he's supposed to. That's what the judge ordered. He passes. Another son passes. But then you have one son left. And we're still in court to this day because the accounting that was supposed to be done over five or six years ago, whatever my lawyer said was, has not been accounted for. So even after all of these years, still in court. Oh, Uh, wow, that's crazy. Um, hey, you lost words? No, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Trying to figure out the follow-up Listen, question. y'all, listen, listen. I'm, I'm telling y'all what it is. I done went through some things. I done went through some things, things y'all didn't even know about. Is this because of, okay, few of quite, because of what you went through in terms of record label stuff, was there stuff that, as an artist, mm-hmm. creatively, did you kind of hold to yourself because you didn't want to, because you... You don't want to give it to them. And that's true. And what, what I vow, what I vow in life was no one would ever, ever dictate how I move. I will always move accordingly to what makes Sharon Jackson, the MC Shaw Rock, happy. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not no selfish pe- person because I love my family to death. But I will never allow no one to dictate or ever get into that space to do what they did to me as a young girl. So I became very protective, protected of the culture, speaking out against, um, you know, uh, the uh, injustice of my legacy, if, if I even, once I found out that, you know, that information was being, you know, swept under the rugs, even for the people that did know, I became very protective. And so when someone say to me, oh, Sharrock, you know, you're awesome. Since, see, I know you're going to kill it on this track or you're going to do I have people approach me from overseas and, you know, many different artists. But guess what? I don't record because I want my people to know who I am. I'm going to do it for the love of it. And I'm going to do it because the beat is nice. And I'm going to do it because it represents my brand. 
And if I get money out of it, then yeah, it's okay. But I'm going to control it. And so what I did was I fell back. I did my second passion. And my passion, second passion was law enforcement. <laughs> For real. Because wow. guess what? I'm going to tell y'all. Listen, coming from the South Bronx, I could have been in crazy stuff. Don't get me wrong. I, I've been in situations where I didn't even think I was going to live. When that something that I did, it's just that being on that front line, I went through a lot of stuff. But then something always um, protected me. Higher power, God, whatever, whoever believes in it, I just know I was always protected. Always, because I've been through some stuff. But what I promised myself is that whatever I go through, it was going to be on my accord. It wasn't because I signed a contract and I couldn't get out. It wasn't because I signed a contract, you know, and, and they won't let me out. Or I record and I'm stuck and I can't move around. I move around any way I want to. I don't never have to record again. That is not really like my passion. My passion is riding in my car, listening to hip-hop music from all um, stages of, 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 of errors, including today. Mm. That, that's, that's one of my passions. But what I will tell you is that you're not going to get me to come out or record anything or dictate how, and you're not going to pay me because I know my worth. So if you cannot give me my worth, then I will stay home and watch Netflix and the ID channel because that's what I love. You understand what I'm saying? Because when it's all said and done, I'm still who I am. So it allowed me to be able to say um, yes or no to what I want to do and be able to still own my integrity. And at the same time, I'm not um, locked in or I'm not cornered to um, something that somebody want me to do. And I'm very cautious. And then, you know, even now, you know, like my, my friends, I tell them, you know, everybody know, yeah, okay. It, you, you word on the street. I, I did an interview with, um, Positive K on, um, Sirius XM, nice. LL Station, right? You know, what, a month ago? And so K, I knew K, and, and I have forgotten this. And Positive K tells the, the story of me putting him on the microphone for the first time. I forgot all about that. But when he told me, I remembered. I remember every single aspect of it. So what he did was he sent a mutual friend to to and, and to ask me to come on his show, you know, and just be on that because he was just starting out, you know, on that channel. And I said, cool. So what, what my friend told me is like, you know, Shara, Kay say, you know, he want me to come to you because he don't think you're approachable, you know, or not not that he thinks you're approachable. You know, he, he don't know if you're approachable like that. But anybody that know me or may have heard, if they say that I'm not approachable, it's only because they know that they can't come to me with no bull crap. Right. If you want to come to me and you're going to come to me with a story, come to me correct. Because nine times out of ten, the first minute that you start speaking, I'm already know what you're saying. Cause so I'm not going to allow you to waste my time or your time. And if that's being unapproachable, then okay, because of what I get to, but I'm still respectful. I'm just telling you. Let's have a conversation, but come with the correct conversation, you know. So I've always put my guards up, you know, and, and, and I'm a people's person, especially being into law enforcement. You know, you sort of kind of like, you know how the story's going to go. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. And, and so I'm very protective, you know, of my space. I'm very protective of, um, of, of, of uh, you know, just in general, um, how I move, simply because of what I went through. As that young MC, I have a few more questions. Yes, um, I'm going to go back a little bit, but you, no you know, you, you we, we talked about it now. We talked about you know, obviously, we're in this age of social. You said media. we talk about how? You know, we, you know, we've talked about like no, no, oh, we're, uh, <laughs> we're in this age of like obviously social media. Yes, you go to a hip hop show and everyone pulls out their cameras, yes, whatever. Uh, doing research on you, uh, you know, there's a few kind of like you know, few videos of you in certain mm -hmm. clubs um, mm -hmm. performing. Going back in your career, do you was there ever this kind of maybe performance that you did or something that you might have spit that w unfortunately was not caught on camera that you kind of wish there was that moment that damn I wish someone caught that or 
Um, that lyric was nice. I'm no, gonna... not really. You know why? Because everything that you see now, that saved me. And let me tell you why. Because for every female or for every, you know, person like the DMCs, you know, or the Beastie Boys or or uh, Fat Joe or, um, you know, anybody that talk about the legacy, you know, of Chirac, it shows. Let's take the young girl, you know, that you may see in the, in the mug, mug club, you know, um, or they said the kitchen, you know, that video that may be on um, TV, I mean, on social media. What it did was it saved me. It saved me because I'm happy. Because even if I told you that I was on the front line, and even if I told you there's cassette tapes out that you can hear me on in the 70s, that that one of them th- one of those videos that you see is from 1980, right? So what it says is that for any other person you know, that, that, that came after Chirac, you know, whatever. You know, I, I can prove that I, I was there. Mm-hmm. I can prove the timeline. I can, I can show you <laughs> who I say I am. So, no, there's never a time that I w- wish that I could have um, did a rhyme, you know, different or better. Because I'm built like that. You know what I'm saying? And I say that humbly because this is something that I love. This is something that, you know, that that I love. You understand what I'm saying? So, no, I'm I'm kind of more um, grateful that somebody videotaped that incident and the other incidents that some of y'all have not even seen yet. So, no, there's never a moment that I, I wish that somebody would have could have gotten something because the time frame that it really counts is there. If People do their research. It's on social media. You know, you 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 come from the beginning mm-hmm. of this of hip hop. Yes, sir. Uh, you come from obviously before it was a business. Yes, sir. Uh, Nineteen ninety nine, Talib Kweli s- did a spit. Hip hop is big business, like mm-hmm. Con Edison or Medicine. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So hip hop is a business now. Yes. Um, how do you think? Look, fast forwarding to two thousand nineteen looking at hip-hop culture, looking at rap music. Mm-hmm. Um, how ha- what, is your, what are your thoughts on hip-hop culture today? How do you think the business aspect has helped and also has hurt the culture? Do you think the business as- do you think do you think hip-hop culture needs the business aspect or needed the business aspect to live as long as it's lived? Okay, so when you say that, because you're talking from a business perspective, right? So when you say the hip hop culture, rap music is one of the elements, right? Mm-hmm. Fashion of the area that I, I came from is is always considered one of the elements. DJing, one of the elements, because now you have all of these different types of products that that comes, you know, about for people to be able to use when they're performing, you know, and all that stuff. And um, I, I didn't name, name rapping and um, I didn't. Yeah, yeah. So, so, yeah. So all of these, all of these, um, all of these elements that make hip hop culture. Well, they surviving off of it. People are eating off of it right. because it's every element. Now, when most people say to me, well, what do you think about hip-hop culture today? Well, when you talk about all the elements, people are eating from those elements. But what people really want to say is rap music. Right. Because they consider rap music, that element, the culture. Not even thinking about all the elements that come a part of the culture. Most people consider rap music the culture, hip-hop culture. You understand what I'm saying? So if we separate it, then I can say, okay, so let's talk about the rap culture because that's what you really want to be talking about. Um, 
a lot of a lot of people say, well, Shavrock, you know, you you know that know the deal. They'll say, well, what about you know how you feel about you know the way that you know some people you know are rhyming, you know about you know misogyny, you know, or what do you think about you know Cardi B, or what do you think about Nicki Minaj? Because they always want to use them too, you know, because they have been you know one of the the most successful in in this um, you know era yeah. right now or within the last you know ten years. And I say to them, I say, listen, you know, I celebrate all, all of the elements, right? So if you're talking about just rap music, and that's what we need to be talking about instead of all the other all the elements that you're not even mentioning, then I truly believe that whatever a person choose to do and the way that they choose to rhyme, and the way that they choose to deliver, that's something that they have to live with. Because if we all rhyme the same way, it wouldn't be a part of rap music. I mean, you know, like rap music. Because I came up in the era where you had your disco rhyming, and then you had your MC. Yo, like, yo, bar spitting, you know, no uh, limit rhymes. You know what I'm saying? I come up from that era. But my thing is that when you talk about rap music, rap music is just like, um, it's just like, you know, any any other kind of music. But the style of music should be maybe um, put into a category. You know what I'm saying? Because the for me, the way I look at it, it's like, you know, the style of music, you know, like, you know, you may have, you know, like your country music that's, you know, that people are rapping, rap country, you know, this, that, this, that. I think that, um, you know, maybe it should be separated into categories because when people talk about hip hop, they um, place rap music all together as one. But you have an audience of 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 you have an audience of different people. And so when you say rap music and you only say rap music but you're not allowing people to hear that that different type of style of rap or you may not allow, you know, I'm I'm not saying that what Cardi B or um Nicki Minaj is doing because people people love it. I I like a lot of things that they do. Okay. I love I love a lot of um the the songs that Nicki Minaj and, and um Cardi B makes. Why? Cuz I could be appreciative appreciative you know of just because that's their artistry that doesn't justify who i am but my thing is that instead of you know us blaming the artist you whatever type of music you want to li- listen to as rap you know as as the rap aspect you have that opportunity so if you like conscious rap then support the conscious people go to them go listen to them don't complain about the next person if you like country rap, then you follow the country rap. If you like um, trap music, then follow the trap music. I don't think that you should down a certain type of music because you don't like it. Because when you, you had people like Dolomite that was cussing and all of that stuff, you know, whatever. So he was an MC, but a, a lot, I, I mean, he was like, you know, an actor that would cuss, you know, and all that movie, you know, in the 70s. So that, that was crazy. But guess what? You know, that's that's during the era of the time that, you know, I was growing up that I wasn't supposed to listen to it, but I knew that the, he, he was. You had Millie Jackson that would, you know, sometimes sing raunchy stuff. You, you understand? I mean, she was a R&B singer. But there's people out there to, to, that like it. So my thing is that, you know, I, you know, I don't care if nobody don't believe. I think that it should be um, if, if, if rap is a part of the culture then maybe there should be different genres instead of classifying just one style of rap as hip-hop. Because that's when you get into, oh, that, you know, they ain't hip-hop, they ain't this, I'm tired of them. Why they rapping like that? They, you know, massages talk about, we weren't about, you know, um, they they rapping, we got our kids out here listening to this and listening to that. You know what? Okay, so, you know, if your kids are listening to that, that means that your kids are supporting the same people who you not not support. Right. So what you're supposed to do is you're supposed to educate. 
And what you're supposed to do as a parent or a child, I mean, or, or aunt or cousin or brother, whatever, that, that means that that's when you, your, your, um, dealings come into place. That's when you educate. That's when you let them know that, listen, that's good. You like that? That's good. But let me show you what I got over here. Mm-hmm. Let me show you the conscious. Let me show you, um, you know, the, the, the country. Let me show you the, 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 the orange, blue size or the jazz size of this form of rap or this form of that. And so you giving the people who you love options instead of worrying about what is fed to you over the radio. So once you give them options besides what they hear on the radio and, and educate and introduce them, then maybe you could stop complaining about what they play because now you, the people that you love or the people that the little kids that's in school or, or the people that's listening to them, they have, they have options. They have options that decisions that they can make on their own to say, I'm going to listen to this. So if they listen to the person that you say that's not representing hip hop, but now they got options right. and that's also their choice because they have options. But if you don't give them options, then why blame the person that you don't think represents hip hop? <laughs> and let's go back. Represents rap within hip hop. Because you got too many people rhyming too many ways where not only one person should be considered, rap music shouldn't be, be considered, you know, just one style of rap. And, and, um, and, and, and you classify everybody together. That's the way I see it. I think there's also something too where, if you, I'll give you an example. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've talked about this with uh, Easy Moby because right. he because he produced a lot of the stuff yeah, I, that I, I ended up no that, yeah. I, that I ended up not listening to. So I, <laughs> in the 19, in late nineties, I went through this whole period of like yeah. wanting just to listen to conscious hip hop. Right. Uh-huh. So when Black Star came out of that album, I was like, oh crap, mm-hmm. I got to play mm-hmm. this for the masses, mm-hmm. blah, blah blah. But I totally ignored like the big puns, the um, you know that whole era. Mm-hmm. And why? Why was that? Because it's just like I there's I. Like felt like what they were saying wasn't what the people mm-hmm. need to hear, and I was mm-hmm. into like empowering people. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Um, but what you realize, what I realize, is that now going back years later and listening to that, mm. that there's whatever it doesn't matter what they're saying. It's just there's this this unique ability all of them mm-hmm. have, yes, and to like their art. Right. And with their wordplay. Yes. With their breath control, yes. with their flow, yes. with their writing yes. style and how they play on the beat True. or off the beat. True. So what I realized now that I'm almost 40 uh, <laughs> is that there's this um, by saying I don't like this, this, mm-hmm. this and this and you only have to listen to this, this and this. True. You yourself lose out on what's out that's there what as I'm well. saying. That's that's what I'm saying. And people because I, I, I come from the inception of hip-hop, maybe like a lot of my um, people that grew up with me, you know, whatever, may feel like, yo, how, how could you say that? You know, you're on the front line. You know why? Because we're on the front line. And because I was there, then you should be thinking the same way through, too. Because you should never close your role to not seeing what somebody else is doing or how they perceive life. You, you understand what yeah. I'm saying? Even like I, I tell the young kids a lot of times that become an MC, it's just like first day they want to say, uh, you know, we come from the old day, we old heads. Yeah, I'm old head and I'm proud of it because I could be able to deal with a lot of them as far as rapping skills to this day. So I accept being an old head. But one thing about Shah Rock is that I know how to adapt to my environment. And so I listen to old school, new school, true school, mm. even now. Because then you'll be able to learn to appreciate, even if it ain't um, something that you like. But you could be able to know what what's going on out there. Because a lot of times they ain't lying. The stuff is going on that they say they're going on, it is going on out there. And even if it ain't affected them, it may be affecting somebody else. So to me, I, I use it as a learning tool, but no, you know, um, some things should not be exposed to youths, but that is not the responsibility of the artist. Because if the artist 
is targeting a certain audience, then that's who they're targeting. And if that audience is big enough, that artist, and that artist continue to sell out and sell records, whatever, then who are you going to blame? Because then now you have to go back to the youth, the young kids, the parents, whatever. You know what I'm saying? Because if you're exposing them to something else and giving them that option, not saying that you have to take it away, but give them options. And then let them make their decisions. Right. But are the options available on the radio all the time? Yeah, maybe on Sirius XM, you know, whatever. But not every child or, or, or people have the money to pay for that. So I, I still say the, the, the parents, you know, or, you know, or, you know, whoever the child, you know, um, is there. It, it is up to our responsibility to just educate. Just educate and let them make their own decision. Because I know for me, you know, I don't go to clubs and all of that stuff, but I like to have fun just by just laughing and talking and, and just I don't hang out with a bunch of friends or whatever. But if I'm driving in my car, I want to hear some breakbeat music. Then I want to be able to turn to uh, conscious music. And then I want to be able to turn to Cardi B, bag, just bagging it up. Yeah, I, I, I like that. That's one of my joints. You know, I, I like Nikki stuff. I want to be able to hear some of the things like that simply because I know how to separate them. But everybody does don't want to hear um kind if, if if they're going through problems, they don't always want to hear more problems. Right. They want to hear happy songs. They want to hear songs that take them out of that element. So I just say that, you know, and instead of us, you know, uh, uh, like offering our opinion on what the style of rap is of, you know, that person that's rapping. What I say is that then not let us box rap or, or box hip hop, hip hop as the term for rap. Mm-hmm. Because that's what people be asking when they ask They'd be like, OK, so what you think about, you know, hip hop? But it ain't what's going, it ain't the DJ, and that's not who they focus on. They focus on, on the rap, right? right? So let's just change the way to rephrase it and say, what do you think about how this person rhymes? You understand what I'm saying? Because that's just an element of hip-hop. And everybody that rhymes should um, should should be, um, you know, you shouldn't just be saying hip-hop because hip-hop represents so much other things. Yeah, it's your you style, the way right. you dress, the way exactly. you walk. Yeah, right. It's all it's, it's all the elements. Right, right. Uh, I want to talk to you all day, but I want to. I know you. I can talk I all do. day. I love y'all. Listen, I'm listen. I'm 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 happy. I'm I'm honored that you you and Chuck you know have have me on here because I get to tell my story to the masses, and then maybe you know um, people will be able to understand the beginning because that's not never talked about. It's never talked about. It's never talked about. Doing the, you know, like, you know, 77 and 70, uh, right before rap records in, um, winter of 79. I have one question. Yes, sir. My last, uh, what's your absolute favorite thing about being an MC? My absolute favorite thing about being an MC is the fact that I could claim I was first. Female MC, I could claim I was on that front line, a founding member of hip hop, being that MC. That is my most favorable thing that I could say. And although people may have tried to take it away, Shah Rock is here to let you know that there was no one before me. So that is my favorite thing. And I say that humbly. To everybody that's listening. That is my favorite thing. Oh, and one more. Yeah, go ahead. Second. Is that fact that when I rhyme, my delivery is all for my audience. Because I want them to say when they leave, she's a good MC. Not that I'm a female, but that's a good MC. And guess what? I've stand that, that um, time. Because even from the 70s, 
you still have people saying how I was a good MC. So that is the legacy that I'm most proud of. MC Shyrock, it's been an honor. I've learned so much Thank today you. from you. Uh, I've done almost 400 of these, and this has been the Thank most so knowledgeable. Thank you so much for being on the library to Monica. I really appreciate you. Thanks for everybody that's listening. I, I truly appreciate y'all and much respect to the hip hop culture. Thank, Thank you. you. People have no idea of of a secret. And I'm a, I'm gonna let the secret go. I think this is probably the third time I talked about this. If you listen to my record uh, Runs House, and if you listen to Together Forever, a couple other songs too, but Runs House stands out. When you hear me go, my name is DMC, see, all-time great, great, bust the run, the echo chamber changed my life because on those cassette tapes that I was buying back in the days, I would save my allowance up, and I would save my allowance up to get, you know, the Cold Crush Battle Tape versus Fantastic Five, Cool Mo D versus Busy B when they had that classic battle. And then Cold Crush Tapes was really big, but also... Um, you know, I went to Rice High School, 124th Street in Lenox. So I was going to school with guys that was, you know, living in the Bronx in Manhattan. And they would bring tapes of, you know, like Bamba, the Jazzy J and Red Alert and the Jazzy Five Live over breakbeats. And they had this echo chamber thing. And then one day I got to hear something that changed a guy's life. I heard this female MC. From the group Funky 4 Plus 1, Four Dudes MC, she was the plus one. Her name was Shaw Rock. And they had a record out. They had, um, they had the Mexican out. And then they had, um, they had a couple of records out on Sugar Hill and Enjoy and stuff like that. But one day I heard something that wasn't Shaw Rock's record. And it was a tape of her rhyming over Seven Minutes of Funk. And she said some crazy dope rhymes that is better than 85% of MCs out today. But this is what was um, life-changing in me. She was rhyming over don't, 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 don't. And she was rhyming with the echo chamber. And she said, to all of you, my name is Sha Sha. And it said, I was like, what the hell? What is this echo chamber thing? She said to all of you, my name is Sha Sha. I'm not a millionaire. I don't have a car, car. But here's one thing I want y'all to know. I'm a good loving person from a long time ago. Go one of a kind, kind. Rock your mind. I was like, I stood there in my house and rewounded that tape over for three days straight. I couldn't believe how incredible this girl was with the echo chamber. Then comes along and I get a chance to go make records. And I was like, yo, Jay, I gotta be like Shaw Rock. I gotta have that echo chamber. Shaw Rock is genre changing. So, Shaw Rock, I give it up to you. You and the Cold Crush 4 are the reason why DMC is the king of rock. When I heard that echo chamber with Shaw Rock, and her rhymes was dope. And she was like, she was doping in the dudes back then. Because what was good about Funky 4 Plus 1 was they rhymed about, you know, their sneakers and taking the subway train and going to school and what they would eat for lunch. Like, they rhymed about stuff that was relevant to that particular age group of hip-hop. But Sean Rock, I got to give the props to her. She's not only a legendary pioneer icon female MC. You dudes need to take lessons from Shaw Rock. She changed my life. To this day, the reason why me and Run did party people, people, you're, you're, um, ill, chill, chill, echo chamber because of Shaw Rock. We love you.